All right, here pregame, I'm a little nervous. I got my thing set out. Um, little tokens ready that Amy and I made. The character sheets are around the table so people can choose. Amy chose her character already. I'm running the Bone Collector soon and she chose to play Alan Up Thomas, a Yorkist archer. So I did bring some books because uh, I didn't know if there would be a connection for my computer because it's easier to carry things on PDF, right? Um, so I have the Call of Cthulhu, the 40th edition Keeper's Rulebook and the Malleus Maelstrom if I need it, but I think I will just uh, open the book here in a couple minutes, or open the computer here in a couple minutes and um, use the PDFs. And then I got my little notebook ready to go for the game that I've had my notes in the outline of the adventure. And then um, Towton 1461 from Osprey Publishing, written by Christopher Gravitt, illustrated by the amazing Graham Turner um, for what I'm going to read and reference uh, during the game. So I hope it goes well. I hope they enjoy the luck battle. And then once that happens, then I hope uh, we get into the, the meat of the adventure um, and it goes well. All right. Uh, oh, I did bring handouts too. Um, I have the luck battle rules as well. That's for me mainly. And then um, pulp, uh, Cthulhu spends, luck spends, uh, and fighting to help out with the players. So that's my pregame. And wish me luck. for the Geomologist Presents, better known as the actual Geomologist Presents. I just allow Carl to do the show occasionally. I just pop in for special occasions, and this is one of them. So we are heading back from ChupacabraCon 2022. It was great to see all of our friends up there checking out all the new games. We had a great time. Just wanted to talk a little bit about the games that at least I played in. Um, so day one, we can start off with our early-ish game, not quite afternoon, but our two o'clock game, and it was uh, Bone Collectors, and it was a Pulp Fiction Call of Cthulhu-based style game, and it takes place in the War of the Roses, and if you know your history, it won't help you in the game. Anyways, just wanted to let you know it's a battle between the Lancastrians and as well as the Yorks in Towton. And if you know your history, it was extremely cold, very bloody. And, you know, I think there was something hiding in the forest over there, which we came face to face with. However, I'd like to report we all came out of it, maybe not unscathed, but alive. We protected our lords, however, um, they did a few crazy things, running off to fight big bad creatures, so we had to come up with a battle plan. Who was going to be the lord if we wiped them all out? Granted, none of us actually should be the lord, but you know, it's always good to have a secondary plan, as well as, you know, trying to recruit from the other side. So we had one player that went from Lancastrian to York to Lancaster and New York. And I think at the end of the game, he didn't even know what side he was on. But uh, I just want to 
take a quick moment to interview the GM, and we'll be right back. All right, Carl, did you just finish playing your game and having a good time? Yeah, it was pretty good. I, you know, it's the second time I've run it. I ran this game, Bone Collectors, which is a pulp Call of Cthulhu game set in the medieval period. Um, in the backdrop is the Battle of Towton. And again, second time I ran it. I ran it uh, the first time at Good Friends with Jack, or a weekend uh, with Good Friends. Uh, with, with, it's a biannual virtual uh, convention run by Good Friends with, of Jackson Elias. And here I got to run it live. So we had a lot of really cool props. I had a map of the Battle of Towton. Um, I had tokens for all the players, tokens for the monsters. We had a battle map for the finale. And I think it worked really well. Um, definitely, it's an ongoing development. I think the, the take-home message for me for how it played out um, the second time that I ran it, people really love the luck battle, which is what I call sort of the the backdrop of the battle and and I never want to go I would I would never recommend this either if you're running in a historical context or in a historical backdrop of a big battle uh, there's no reason to go blow by blow you know attack by attack and I've kind of been able at least at the, for the Battle of Towton and I did this um, for Call of Cthulhu Invictus F in the Tudabic Forest uh, conflict you, you kind of you know divided up into phases and then you have the players kind of choose a martial skill or some other skill if they don't want to if they're not in the thick of it and not participating in the battle you know roll it up see what happens i have a table where you know if they get a, a normal success to a, a extreme success to a fumble and they will gain luck lose hit points or or neither depending on the role so i think it worked really well people uh, commented back to me that was pretty pretty good I mean not not pretty good it was very engaging actually some someone said hella awesome um, that will probably use it in their in their battles when they do this do this call of Cthulhu or any game where they have like a big battle and then um and then we got into the the, the meat of the game and I think uh, I added some things that I learned from the other game which was you know having some weird take place during the battle that that some of the players other than one could see. And then um, at the end, I think, um, I think I'm gonna kinda tweak, I need to tweak the end. It was kinda, in the first time I ran it, uh, the big monster came out you know, kinda early. And then the second time, they were just rolling really well on the mechanic I had in mind. So I think I might go to like a countdown on when the, the big monster comes out. Um, Cause that, it seemed like the combat in the, in the finale kinda dragged on. Uh, the players are very competent. They're pulp heroes. They kind of wipe the floor with most most creatures they face. Um, and, but it was still pretty harrowing. There was a, a point, for example, when one of the, you know, Sir David Trollop, uh, one of the Lancastrian lords, was jumped on by a, a creature, and the creature was trying to. He was kind of mesmerized, and the cre and the, another creature was trying to like, effectively like, break into his armor, pry his helmet off, and. And, uh, hell, and kill him, you know, slash his throat or whatever. Uh, that did not happen because, um, well, you know, the, his, his followers came to the rescue. Or, and, or maybe it was a York that rescued him. More than likely it was a York. Uh, Yorks seemed to win the day both on the battlefield and in the game. All right, that was a very good recap there. Um, there were some rumors, shall we say, that there was 
you know, a couple of pictures maybe of the different battles that were thrown up there and possibly could have caused some issues, you know, with the sanity of these different players. How was the sanity monitored in the game? So, um, well, I mean, it's a pulp game, so there's various instances where the players had to roll for their sanity, um, both during the battle, actually, and, um, and subsequently when we kind of got into the, the actual adventure, um, no, one, no one lost it. I mean, in, the, in my previous uh, incarnation of this game, I did have one character uh, have go into the temporary insanity fate or part of a loss of sanity in Call of Cthulhu, and um, no one really went crazy or, I guess, had a bout of... I don't think anyone had a bout of madness. Do you, I don't recall that happening. People were rolling pretty well. Um, what do you, I mean, maybe at, oh, at the end, at the end, perhaps when they kind of, uh, since a big monster didn't show up and they stopped the ritual to summon the monster, as usually happens in a Call of Cthulhu game, um, people went down into the, into the monster lair, the pit, um, and some people lost it, but, but really not during the course of gameplay. This is kind of more of the epilogue. So, you know, everyone held their own, everyone held their sanity. No one, more people use luck to make um, make a hard success or change a hard success or a normal success into a hard or extreme success. So the luck was used more for skills than for sanity, at least as I recall. All right, but I think the one question that's on everyone's mind here at the game was, did you really want a TPK or are you as a GM pretty excited that more in the investigation and I would say the camaraderie between the two sides was achieved. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of a player's GM, as most people know, and some people criticize that. Well, whatever. But uh, I, I want the players to succeed. I'm not trying to go for a TPK. I want the players to choose the way they would die. And um, in, in this one, you know, they held their own. They're Again, they're pulp heroes. They're very competent. I think a lot of people who had never played a pulp game before were shocked, surprised how competent they were. I mean, you have the main skill that the martial characters have in the 90s or 80s. I mean, it's uh, they're going to do really well. So, yeah, I, you know, there was no TPK that was going to happen uh, unless a character kind of, you know, ran and sacrificed their, their life for the, the good, for the greater good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I never try to intend to have a TPK. That's the uh, all right, so I think the last question for the Bone Collector scenario here is going to be, what made you choose the Bone Collectors for this particular con? Was there something that you were trying out? Is this a dynamic that you felt needed to be had at this particular point in time to help build camaraderie amongst people? Did it play more into just you just felt like playing that game or you were just trying to grab a little bit more Call of Cthulhu fans? Um, a little of both. Uh, um, reporter person, uh, I guess. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the War of the Roses is very intriguing to me. It, I mean, you, ne you all see that history repeats. Do the player characters, and I, what I loved about the players in this game was that they really, there was a couple that really knew the history and were like jarring at each other, um, threatening each other, 
uh, taunting each other. I thought that was awesome. I love the role-playing aspect, but you know, I think ultimately was was cool. And maybe yes, that's part of the game. And and you you try to as a GM, you try to direct them. Um, but you know, it's ultimately their choice. And there was there was a, a chance that you know it could have come to blows, Lancaster versus York. But I think ultimately, uh, Lord Grey and Sir David Trollope, the two noblemen uh, from York and Lancaster respectively, said, you know what. Uh, we need to put aside our differences because there is a greater evil that is afoot and we will quash it and then maybe we'll get to fighting each other. Alrighty folks, so I hope you enjoyed the recap of the Bone Collectors, the uh, first game that we participated in. And uh, so I think we just need to slide over to our second game. Um, I apologize that I wasn't quick enough to get the GM's opinion on the game as we will be utilizing the Legacy EU Battles. So if you guys are aware of the EU University Battles, and I'm pretty certain I'm calling this by the wrong thing, because remember I'm the roving reporter. I'm not always exact. But uh, anyways, we head back to the 1880s to the university out there in, I believe it was Pine Brook, Texas or pine box yeah you know pine boxes people die i get it now anyways we're out in pine box there and for you little fans of texas yes i do think this might be very loosely based on a and m but anyways that's my opinion that's not a fact so don't quote me on that but anyways so we have our players show up at this point in time in the 1880s it's a women's college and we have our little gang of misfits here and so we have several players. I personally played Linda. Laura, and Laura Tinsdale. I'm sorry, I had that name wrong. Her name is Laura Tinsdale. We kept changing names as we went through the legacy. So for, forgive me if I got it wrong. But anyways, my player, she was out to get a husband. She was absolutely beautiful, very, very rich. However, her secret, and we'll keep it a secret, got her to the point where she needed a husband. So she went off to the university to get herself a husband, you know, the usual MRS degree. And uh, Carl, you played in that game with us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your character? Okay, so Amy and I got to play together in a game, and we played in a... I believe that the authors of East Texas University, which is a Savage Worlds game, are developing a kind of a, a legacy game, which I think is a great idea. It's East Texas University Legacy. The first game that we played was it started in 1888, and uh, we played uh, people, uh, we played characters who were attending the Texas Women's College, and my character was Emerald Gavis, who is a, a, a Native American and uh, probably a Hispanic American, sort of a, a mixed mixed race character. And uh, I, I honestly had a really great time. I, I can't really, I really can't wait uh, until you know, the developers of ETU uh, put get this uh, to, to print. Uh, they're really, they're kind of working through play tests and seeing what's going on in this game. And, and um, we, we played really good characters in 1888. Well, it seems like there's this like, the setup is, and I know there might be spoilers if you replay it, but you know, we're in from Pine Box, Texas, and we have this, apparently this rivalry with this town called Blackburn. 
All right, and you know, as we know, the Ravens at EU are always better. So those of you who are out there that disagree, feel free not to call in and complain. You can call Carl, just not me. Anyways, so I don't want to too many spoilers out there, especially since they are still tweaking things. But I would say that that was a phenomenal game. Yeah, and, really good. And it, the GM was Jerry. As a matter of fact, Jerry GM'd for us all three days. And it was absolutely the most fun to play one character and then the next and then the next one. And they are all legacy of the one previous. And to watch how those characters actually diverge into what they become and how their legacy, not only the legacy of the game, but the legacy of the characters grows and morphs. And I would dare say it's probably something that'll hit close to home for most of us. So we finished up with that game. I don't want to give any spoilers on that one. But I will say this much. Made me really want new boots and a handbag. That'll be the, the closest clue to a spoiler I'll give you. And Fred would pretty much conclude day number one for us. So tune in in a little bit for day number two. All right, my con groupie friends here. It is now day two. Welcome back to ChupacabraCon 2022 with the roving reporter, the geomologist. I uh, had to take most of this morning sipping coffee and shopping because as any good con goer goes, you know, we had to celebrate not dying on day one. Right. And, uh, yeah, so checking out the different booths. They were amazing booths. I really have to tell you guys that there's some really incredible products coming out. Fantastic board games coming out with incredible graphic art. There's some card games that, wow, I couldn't believe them. I even got to see the new Boomtown, which, if you don't know, is... I'm sorry, it's called Doomtown, guys, but if you don't know, it's based off of Deadlands, and you can actually use some parts of the board game in the Savage Worlds game. Now, you can't get much better than that. Now, I have to tell you, there's a couple of new modules out there that I found for some games that I've never played for based on D12 and D20 rules. Don't want to say too much about that, because... Guess what? It's coming to a playtest near you, as well as new adventure deck cards for Savage Worlds and these incredible handcrafted tees that are based around gaming. And, oh, you can't even get near forgetting the LED light-up dice! Rechargeable! Perfect for playing games from the 1980s, players. Anyways, enough about me and my excitement level. I want to get right to our first game, and I'm going to allow the GMologist himself to tell you a little bit about it, because it was so much fun. I actually have to go get a water and a cup of coffee and calm myself down. So the first game I was able to run, I ran two games at Chupacabracon, Bone Collectors, which we talked about in day one, but... Uh, Saturday morning, my second game I ran was Pilgrim's Hope, 
it's available on Miskatonic University. It's a definitely a convention game. I'll put the link in the show notes um, if the geomologist allows. I'll think about it. She'll think about it. Anyway, what I, I like, it's down dark trails. It's, it's kind of the uh, Western incarnation of Call of Cthulhu, 7th edition. And uh, it's set in 1885. You, you, the characters, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk about it a lot. It's the second or third time. It's the first time I've run it, but the second or third time that I've been a part of it, I've played it a couple times. And what I love about these adventures is they, in general, and I heard this again from other GMs that I kind of played, played under, is that um, every time you run one of these adventures, it turns out different. And Pilgrim's Hope is no exception. So uh, the premise is that you are uh, members of Buffalo Bill's Wild West Show uh, somewhere in Illinois. I think I put uh, uh, Carb. I think I put everyone in Carbondale, Illinois, which is the location of the University of Southern Illinois, which is kind of cool. Um, no one really used that information, but uh, so it was. It was a really. It went really well. Uh, the characters, I would say, the player characters, the players, um, one of them did play Annie Oakley, which was awesome, and uh, the players were very, very focused. Um, we had an incident at the Wit West show. They took the hook and went with it, um, and then they found themselves in a kind of a cult town, and a lot of shenanigans happened, and I really, I, I really felt that uh, the players were engaged. They, they kind of got the hooks relatively early I mean they got they got the clues um, there was no kind of dithering I used a, a, a kind of countdown mechanic for the the big thing to happen and I thought that worked really well what do you think as a player uh, geomologist person Amy uh, how did you think the, the countdown worked you know you can call me our our roving reporter, roving reporter. Um, yeah I enjoyed it a lot I uh, historically have a tendency to go off the rails and off the beaten path, so yeah, of course, I'm going to throw that out into the game. I was very excited to see Annie Oakley show up. I think Buffalo Bill actually made an appearance towards the end of the game. We had a wonderful time. I will also say that I was very excited to play in the game with a young lady that I played with at the last Chupacabra Con. And if you don't know how long ago that was, it was two years ago. However, not on Mother's Day weekend. And uh, we had such a great time. And I also would like to throw out there that the idea behind it was fabulous. And it was a lot of fun to play Old West figures some of which actually existed. Now, I absolutely love the fact that I could ride my horse, steer it with my knees, shoot at things, as well as still make a performance roll. Those are all sorts of fun things. I failed at quite a few, but I never did fall off my horse. We didn't die, and it was, in my opinion, a very successful game. And what was your opinion? Yeah, I, I definitely think the players succeeded uh, really well in this game. Um, I did have one death. Uh, the player just couldn't get away from the, you know, the big explosion that you would expect in a Call of Cthulhu game. Annie Oakley kind of was the hero in conjunction with this other player who sacrificed their life. But uh, the players kind of hit all the, the check marks. You know, at the end of the game, there's like a, you know, 
the goals for the game and for each goal you get a level of sanity uh, returned to you from from the you know brain racking torment that you would get in a call of cthulhu game so they hit they hit all the all the milestones they uh you know they they it was really neat uh they they won the game even though one character did die so i, I really again i really never tried to tpk but it just we couldn't think of a way and the character agreed that that character could have survived based on the die rolls that were had um, and annie oakley almost died that would have been very interesting but the player rolled like a, a literally rolled an extreme success a zero one on a, on a critical roll and was able to escape destruction so um yeah it was it was a very satisfying game and uh i, I think it went really well all righty that was a really good recap of the the game here i would like to point out if anyone was wondering and you probably were not none of the horses were injured in the game none of them lost sanity and yes the horses are extremely powerful and they can also kick some butt so if you're looking to check out that game you can't just play the horse but i highly suggest uh Perhaps checking out the stats on the horses because they are super awesome. So much time thought out putting that game. It's wonderful. You should pick up a copy and run it, you know, at a gaming store near you. So, uh, yeah, at this point in time in the con, I felt like I just wanted to forget about it. So that was the next game I played. I had to kick the GMologist out of the game and off to his own game because, you know, I needed to go back to my roots of Chicago, even though the game is actually set in Las Vegas. So it was run actually by the creator. It is based upon the Savage Worlds rules, which, spoiler alert, second favorite game system for me. It is almost tied for Call of Cthulhu, but the only reason why Call of Cthulhu beats it is because I can talk in cat in Call of Cthulhu. But anyways, enough about my loves. Anyway, so the forget about it, you are actually gangsters. And spoiler alert, stop the, you know, listening if this is going to upset you. But we were gangsters trying to uh, kill someone off and bury their body. It was so much fun. We had a lot of interplay amongst all the different characters. And within Savage Worlds, you get bennies, which allow you to re-roll something you can change an action you can adjust some of the play um there's so many things you can do with bennies and it's so much fun um but with forget about it he also had you guessed it the fuzzy dice to hang from the car while we were driving i personally played the driver and i buddied up with the cleaner because you know the mafia always needs someone to clean up all your messes Anyways, so we went through the adventure. We had a wonderful time. We were not as successful as you might want to be. But I don't want to exactly tell you what happened. Because, you know, we don't ever talk about it in the Mafia. So, yeah. My character, he wants to take all the attention off of them. And throw it back at the geomologist. Because we shoved him at a table. And I think he was playing Delta Green. Yeah, I got to play in a Delta Green game. And a cool thing about the con, and this con is small enough that, you know, 
the GM that that ran the Delta Green game that was actually a player in an earlier game of mine and I on, I had a great time playing Delta Green I played played it a few times and uh, I was uh, an agent an FBI agent and uh, I'm not gonna spoil it because you can find uh, a lot of these online suffice it to say that it was a TPK but you know sometimes you have a TPK and you're like man that sucked I hate this game but the, this TPK was satisfying we sacrificed ourselves for the greater good at the end of it all we trapped the monster we realized that the only way to destroy the monster um, and and stop the conspiracy or hide the conspiracy was to sacrifice ourselves and I think that's there's something heroic about that, you know, uh, dying for the greater good um, in a game. Um, and uh, it was a, a fun game. The the keeper. I, what I like about Delta Green is contemporary. You can really think about, you know, if you are in the modern right now, how would you solve this problem? And I think the you know there's a lot of interplay between us as players wanting to problem solve and what the GM felt. Uh, would be allowed lawfully or what if we did something a little crazy um, like start fires everywhere um, in Arizona uh, how the police how the police and the fire people the fire uh, firefighters would respond um, is really good so yeah so TPK but we won that's that's a crazy thing it, yes it was a TPK but we won the scenario uh, despite that so I, I really enjoyed Delta Green and it seems like uh, Amy I enjoyed Forget About It. Well, thank you so much for that recap. I wouldn't recap the game, but I wasn't playing in it. I was having way too much fun over at my own game. And I would like to point out, if you ever have an opportunity to play in a Savage Worlds game with the writer of Forget About It, his name is Eric, it's amazing. Not only is his story, story projection amazing, he makes these props himself. Imagine you're driving down the road, you got mountains on each side, and you have, well, you know, almost no gas left, and you're, you see the mirage. At least you think maybe it's a mirage, but no, it's a gas station. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, he made a full functioning gas station for us to play with during the game as well as the diner and it was just amazing if you want to I believe you can actually check out the pictures of most of the games on ChupacabraCon 2020's website but back to the action for us so I actually picked the geomologist back up off his chair and we marched ourselves right back over for our next game which if you remember we're playing a legacy game. So, alrighty, off we go. We met back up with Jerry for our ET University. We are now flashing into the 1930s. So you guessed it. We're playing the, ga the grandchildren and children of the ones we played in the 1880s. Now, if that's just not gonna tickle your fancy, I don't know what will, probably not the game for you then. But now we're in the 1930s, and yes, you guessed it, we're still in school. And uh, some, 
some of the characters changed genders, but only because they ended up as either a grandson or a granddaughter. My legacy was all women, which go woman power there. However, I don't think that helped us very much. But uh, Laura, you know, she became her granddaughter, and I don't want to say too much about it because they're actually working to tweak this game and the next legacy part, so I don't want to give away any of the little secrets, but I'll say this much, we didn't die. However, my character was unconscious for, I would say, the good portion of the game, but I will let the geomologist recap a little bit more than I am. Alright, yeah, so I really am enjoying this legacy. I think um, it harkens to me to like a generational game, like you would really... If you had all the time in the world and you were playing Pendragon uh, and you wanted to play the great uh, story of the rise of, of, of Arthur, then you could do that with a, in a generational game. But in this game, they, I think uh, the authors are really, really doing a great job. I know it's still, they got some tweaks and, and all of us are part of the play test, which I think is fantastic running this at a convention game. So we're in the 1930s and we are the grandchildren or children, I would say say grandchildren, right? Uh, most the, were grandchildren. Yeah, most were grandchildren. There might have been, uh, I don't know. We we only played Amy and I only played two of the characters out of a possible six. So you know, the we basically played the relative of the character we played in the previous game, and I, we got in. I mean, we were very fortunate. We got in early and were able to to schedule all three of the legacy games, which was really fun. I've never done that in a con before. Like, I'll see part one, part two, whatever, the last kind of con I was in in Traveler. I only played, like, part two, but this time we got to play all three. And uh, this, I, I feel, to me, the second scenario was the most fun. I kind of like the 1930s. There's a gangsta, kind of 30s gangsta prohibition feel. Um, it does have a kind of very much of a Call of Cthulhu-esque uh, kind of feel. We referenced Dillinger and Bonnie and Clyde and all that kind of kind of cool stuff and uh, uh, surprisingly we did win um, oh I would mention also at this point that other there were other tables that were playing these games and it was really fun to kind of compare notes wouldn't you think oh it was and I'll tell you what I think made the best difference for us is we had the same GM for each one of them yeah Jerry, Jerry was great he was fantastic I would say that you know probably the most fun and the best choice for us to have yeah, he we really got that. into we the really game working. he was bantering back and forth with the characters as his character he was really getting into the role playing with it just absolutely a joy made it such a pleasure and we almost went over time because we were having way too much fun right the clock struck midnight and we were still playing i think mainly because jerry in his lucky lucky ass self at one point when in the last fight he drew two jokers which is you know in a savage world you draw a joker for each of your mobs bennies! they get bennies and it was uh, we were like we, it was it was a tough fight it was very fun uh, somehow we survived again he he kind of really commented that we went off the rails but i think that was great because we we were, I feel like all the groups we had were great players. We really thought outside of the box, which I think was is the best thing you can kind of do 
in a play test is think outside the box so you kind of give uh, the GMs who are developing this game ideas and ways to really talk about or really tweak these games to cover all all the sort of things that can freaking happen because you know you know players um, they go off the rails and Jerry was I would say Jerry was very much of a player's GM as much as he loved getting those bennies and wanting and lo loving his you know his uh, his big bad take down one of the, the player characters which happened to be Amy's um, I didn't die I mean eventually the dice gods kind of loved us and my character was able to put down the big bad with you know how you know how Savage Worlds works uh, you get that those aces that uh, give you a, a you know a raise to more damage and when I rolled damage I got an ace on all three of my damage dice and uh, I did a lot of damage so um, I guess my character was sort of the hero of the story I would say and we ended after midnight I'll say it's debatable if you were the hero I was Anyways, big damn during hero. during the actual I game, big damn hero? I, stop saying big damn hero. Big damn hero. Anyways, so during the play test, the actual writer came to the table because his niece was playing in the game with us. She was badass too. She was the she other she was big super she was super badass. Without her, we none of us would have been alive. She held the line. Anyways, I don't want to tell you too much because based on how we went off the rolls, yeah, they're probably going to tweak it. So he came over, and most of the players in our game were on top of the burning roof trying to pull people out. And his one comment was, no one was ever supposed to be on the roof. Because the roof is on fire. Because the roof is on fire, the whole building's smoking, and none of us died from that. And he just walked away shaking his head. So, you know, it's always fun when you stump the riders. Anyways, so that wraps up day number three, or I'm sorry, day number two for us. Heading into day number three, so we gotta go hit that cocktail lounge. Yep. I will have to tell you if you ever head over to Chupacabracon, they got a little something for everyone. And don't forget to check out the Indian food. Nearby. Oh, well, the Indian food was nearby, Rock but that was what? amazing. It's called Rock and Roll. Rock and, roll Rock, and Rock Grill. It's an Indian bar. It's over near Chupacabracon, but I would also say that Chupacabracon takes some of their proceeds, most of them, and donates them to a nonprofit called Extra Life. Called Extra Life. What a absolutely fabulous foundation! And as someone that runs my own foundation, I can certainly tell you they are extremely dedicated to their cause. It's wonderful. We'll put the Extra Life uh, link on the show notes. And we'll put their link on the show notes. So if you have a chance, check them out. They're absolutely fabulous. And we'll see you tomorrow for day three. Whoop, whoop. Hello, my Chupacabracon fans of the recap. It is now day three. Day three. So grab your Aquanet and your gel. Flip up your collars. Put on your leather jacket because... We're going to ETU University, and you guessed it, the 80s. Living in the 80s. Uh-uh-oh. Living uh. in the 80s. Uh-uh-oh. All righty. So, in the final installment of the legacy, you guessed it, we're in the 80s. We've got our button-up guest jeans on. 
We've got our sunglasses on at night and we're ready to rock and roll. But guess what we're doing? We're going on a field trip because we're going roller rollerblading. Derby. No, roller derby, roller derby. Roller so, who doesn't want to? Raven, raven fight, raven, raven yeah. fight. All right, all righty. We got it, the ravens. So paint the ravens, you know, little feathers all over your face. Get out your glow-in-the-dark mascara and trace it because we are attacking the roller derby ring. Yeah, that was a really Hi. unique, definitely a very unique uh, scenario. Uh, the, the, again, and it, this is kind of a spoiler, but I know they're going to tweak things. Uh, like this, We're like a roller derby, and we're participating in a roller derby. Uh, there's, there's a big, big uh, emphasis on the chase mechanics in Savage Worlds. I would like to say that this is sanctioned by the university. Sanction, we're a club team for the university, um, not a UIL or whatever. Uh, was it NCAA-sponsored Yeah, team. we're, we're not anyway, that. It's a club team. It's a club team. And, uh, yeah, it was really fun. It's like the culmination. I, we, uh, as the player characters, were the, the sons or daughters of the 1930s. Uh, player characters there's a there's like legacies what I thought was really neat too there are legacy items that are passed on from the different in the different generations and the different incarnations of but we the game. won't talk much about that because nope. some of them are secrets very much a secret yeah there was some cool revelations at the end here that I thought they really they did a good job of building up to some of the player characters we were like holy crap wow I mean I literally right so so again, you know, we we did a group. I thought it was a really fun scenario. Again, we had Jerry as the GM, and we went off Best the rails. GM for the ETUs you can get. Yeah, he should get a scholarship or a prize. Or he's an incredibly good GM, one of the best GMs I've I've played under. Uh, very consistent. You always want that. Very fair, but uh, you know, not. Um, I would yeah, I would say fair is probably the best the best term to use. Uh, not arbitrary at all. That's always something that players kind of grit their teeth at. Um, but you know, made things very challenging. And you want, you always want to win by the skin of your teeth. And I would say we definitely did. Uh, multiple players kind of shown in that game. Again, we went off the rails. I feel uh, to to help the uh, the play testers test out their game. What do you think, there, uh, Amy, roving reporter? Well, seeing as I'm always going off the rails on you. I'm just adding a little levity into the game. If we ever played horror on the Orient Express, you won't be able to go off the rails because that's a freaking train. Yeah, we'll see about that. I don't know about you listeners, but that sounds like a gauntlet throwdown to me. But I would have to point out that this time, going off the rails wasn't actually started by me, but the professor. And the she, professor she basically was our coach, and she told us, after the first time going around that she felt like we had this down but she did a little sleuthing on her own and there was something a little bit afoot about what was going on so she told us not to cheat cheating's never okay but I fill in the blank do what needs to be done to win the night so I'll leave it at that for you and I will also point out, we did not die. die. We won. 
We always win. Well, except for the geomologist. No, once again, my character was a big damn hero. <laughs> I got the aces at the right time. I think I rolled, I aced on five D4 dice, which is like 20 points plus the others. Um, again, you know, my character is the best, the baddest, the big damn hero. Yeah, but, you know, I, but I, I, I question you on that because July, she was badass herself. Yeah. Yeah, July. Uh, so one of the players, she was throwing fire bombs like no one's business. Yep, I mean one of the players who was played in a previous game, uh, they uh, their character through the legacy was able to have an item that, that I mean, rarely you, you kind of see this rarely in a Savage Worlds game unless it's like the Pathfinder Savage World, but they they dropped the fireball, which was very appropriate and did a. The G I don't know. I don't know. The only time I saw Jerry flustered was when he had a stack of bennies and he burned through all of them and none of them worked. <laughs> and the big bad died. Well, big bad one died. And uh, yeah, you know, it was great. It was oh great. yeah. We won. We won. So could you say she actually threw the f bomb? She threw the f bomb. She threw the f bomb in a fire sort of way. But anyways, thanks for listening to us. We'll wrap up here and make sure to uh, tune in for up-and-coming events. You know what, Mr. Geomologist? I think you need to do a whole segment on why you should play Savage Worlds. Yeah, that's coming. That's coming. Coming to a podcast near you.